Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. America's fastest-growing TV brand, TCL, brings you Mackie and Judd. They're all good. Yeah, they're all good. So, yeah, every one of them. Robinson, Treadwell, um, Thielen, Diggs, Rudolph, the backs, quarterback. Um, they could pick. They're yeah. all good. Equipment staff, just they're awesome. Just, they're all just amazing, yeah. This uh, the Kyle Rudolph soundbite might be the best. Matthew Collar, we're going to bring in here. Let's play the Kyle Rudolph soundbite here before we uh, bring in Matthew from 1500ESPN.com. Uh, he says a lot of things about Kyle Rudolph. I'm not sure all of them are true. How tough a matchup is Kyle Rudolph? Tough. Yeah, he's tough. He's big. He's fast. He's good after the catch. He's strong. Uh, he's a good red area player. He's a good vertical route runner uh, down the seams, over routes, posts, things like that. He's good on the catch and run plays. Uh, you know, it's not a guy you want to have the ball in his hands and, you know, let that 255, whatever pounds it is, get rolling. And he's a hard guy to tackle. Um, but he can run by you. He has good speed, and he's obviously a big target. He has good hands, good concentration. He makes some tough catches. So, yeah, he's a you, big You problem. literally, Matthew, could have asked Bill Belichick about, like, the backup emergency long snapper, and he would have told you just how amazing he that guy can just put a spiral right in the holder's hands every time. Uh, you know, there are some things in there that are true. You just have to pick out which ones they are. Um, like, Rudolph's not fast. Know. Where is he getting that from? I love, like, Rudolph's good, but he's not fast or speedy. Oh, no, and, and he's not hard to tackle either. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, a, he's probably one of the easier guys to tackle once he's got the football. But, you know, the other stuff, though, I mean, when they do use him down the seam, he can be pretty effective, especially, though, those little rollout plays and things like that that Kirk Cousins has in the in the arsenal when they get uh, Cousins on a little play action and then they sort of sneak Kyle Rudolph out of the flat for you know five to eight yards like those are really good offensive plays that the Vikings had basically neglected for about four or five weeks that they went back to uh, last week against the the Packers and. If you listen to Mike Zimmer and Kyle Rudolph, it sounded like those two got together and basically said, uh, let's, let's try getting me the ball in some of these big situations because it's worked in the past. And then, uh, lo and behold, he ends up with seven catches and, and made a pretty big difference against the Packers. So I would expect that he's a part of it, but I, I wouldn't, call him, wouldn't call him fast. It's hilarious. I am I'm growing slightly concerned because for the second consecutive day on the Vikings injury report, Matthew Collar, Stefan Diggs with a knee was a DNP. And to your point on on the show Wednesday, 
When Diggs shows up on, on this report and he often does not practice, it's not maintenance. It's ordinarily it's ordinarily something that we have found often serious enough to keep, keep him out for a game. And if you don't have Diggs in this game, and now you're down to uh, Kyle and Adam, it's not the end of the world, but it's certainly going to be a problem. Yeah, something I know about uh, Stephon Diggs is the guy loves to practice. I mean, he loves being out there. And he is going to practice whenever he possibly can. So if he's not, that means that there is a problem. And he had a big giant thing on his knee today, um, you know, protecting it. Uh, I don't know what it was, some type of wrap or, or brace. And uh, that's not good news either. I mean, Friday is usually the, the real determining factor, and not Thursday, but to not have him out there two days in a row. And, of course, he tells someone that he's going to play. But, I mean, he always does that, no matter what. Uh, before the Lions game, he said uh, that he was going to play. So if, if you want retweets on Twitter, you can tweet, Stephon Diggs said he's going to play, but it'll probably end up being wrong uh, half the time that you should really judge much more off of what happens at practice. And to your point, Judd, you are 100% right that if they do not have him, that is a serious problem because uh, the New England Patriots have one of the absolute best cornerbacks in the NFL in Stephon Gilmore. And a lot of times this year, I was looking through some of the matchups and, and how other teams with elite corners have handled the Vikings. Most of the time, they put that guy on Stephon Diggs and not on Adam Thielen. And so now it'll be very interesting to see if he can't play, if Gilmore just locks down Adam Thielen all day, and if they have to find other ways uh, to get yards through the air. Uh, so I have a totally random meat and potatoes football question for you that I'm just pulling out of thin air. Matthew, uh, should the Vikings blitz Tom Brady this weekend? <laughs> oh, wow. How random. I wrote about that at 1500ESPN.com. It's Football. That's crazy. Uh, you know, so it's interesting because uh, Mike Zimmer has not so much blitzed the great quarterbacks, and he's blitzed the heck out of the not great quarterbacks, which is kind of a classic defensive coordinator type of thing to do. But one thing that he's had a lot of success with is showing Aaron Rodgers and showing Drew Brees things and not blitzing and then later sending that blitz. So even if he sends four or five blitzes in an entire game, maybe you get, say, an interception out of one of them, like they got against Drew Brees, uh, or you cause you know Aaron Rodgers to – uh, misread something because he saw it before and, and they didn't send a blitz. So I think what we're going to see is a lot against Tom Brady of, look, we're going to blitz, look, we're going to blitz, and, and maybe alignments that they haven't used before, players up at the line of scrimmage that they haven't used before, and then dropping out of those. Uh, you know, Brady has not been particularly great against the blitz so far this year, but, I mean, this is one of the smartest quarterbacks of all time. So I would think that uh, you wouldn't want to blitz him too much, but if you pick the right spots, you know, third downs, red zone type of situations, then, I mean, this is one of the staples of Zimmer's defense. They are the best on third down in the league again. Year after year after year, they're the best. And I think that's one of the reasons why, that no matter what quarterback they're facing, they always find ways to give looks that that quarterback has not seen before or misdiagnoses, and that's probably the way they'll go against Brady. Okay, football guy, tell me this. What? Football. Give me, football. Give me your prediction. Belichick, uh, when, whenever he, he faces a team like the Vikings and they don't see the Patriots much, always has a wrinkle. And it's always something where you're like, I didn't expect that, but because it's Belichick, I'm not surprised. What is your best guess on what the wrinkle is going to be Sunday against the Vikings? 
Oh, that's a that's a good question. Honestly, I mean, I, I don't really know. What I know is that uh, opposing defenses that have had success have been able to create a lot of pressure with just their front four and have been able to stuff the, any sort of runs up the middle. Now, this is not a great defensive line from the run-stuffing standpoint for the Patriots, but they find ways to, to do a lot of creative rushing and things like that. Um, you know, a guy to watch who can be really tricky is Dante Hightower. Hightower rushes the passer a lot, but is also really clever. Actually, Patrick Mahomes threw his first interception of the year when Dante Hightower faked blitzing and then dropped back into the exact zone that he knew that Patrick Mahomes would be reading. And, of course, Kirk Cousins is more experienced than Mahomes, but can also fall victim to things like that. So, I mean, it, that, that will be what we're watching here is, is kind of the matchups and the big conversation is how Belichick takes away your top players and forces you to win with your third, fourth wide receiver. Well, you know, is this team going to be able to do that? I mean, how, how will Belichick take away Delvin Cook? I, I can say I think pretty certainly that they're not going to have a middle linebacker drop back 15 yards and, and let Delvin Cook just catch the ball in, in a bunch of space. I don't think they're going to do that like the Packers did. So the way that they go about forcing the Vikings to use a lot of Laquan Treadwell or use a lot of Aldrick Robinson to win, that's what I'm really going to be watching for. You know, I it, I think we take for granted just how incredible this two-decade run by the Patriots is. Like, look at some of the other dynasties that we consider dynasties and and franchises and runs that that we – constantly see on NFL films with you know the Sables, you know Steve Sable introducing the Dallas Cowboys of the Jimmy Johnson era and like that was a 6-year run of dominance and it was awesome but it was it was a 6-year run the 49ers from the early 80s until about 1997 or 8 uh but their cha- their last championship was 1994 so really it was like a 13-year run uh th- this is a 20-year run and I, I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl this year, but I just don't see anyone replicating this in our lifetimes in the NFL, Matthew. Yeah, I don't know if it's possible that they could, but one of the things that separates this dynasty from the others is the health of the quarterback. And, you know, I think about this a lot when I watch old games is, Joe Montana was pretty darn tough, and that guy got whooped sometimes and would have to just keep getting up and keep getting up. And, you know, Troy Aikman and Steve Young, those guys both retired because of concussions, and now you can't touch the quarterback. And really, for the second half of Brady's career or even longer, you haven't been able to hit the quarterback anywhere near how it used to be. So if you have an elite quarterback like him who is standing far above everyone else, and then, say, unlike the Packers, a really smart head coach, uh, who is a dominant defensive mind. I mean, that's the one thing that doesn't get brought up a whole lot because it's, there's, there's so much focus on Brady and just how explosive they usually are on offense. But, you know, when you look year after year after year, uh, I, I went through this, I think, when they were in the Super Bowl. There's only a handful of years where they're not in the top ten in scoring against also. Uh, so not only are they so explosive because they have the best quarterback who's always healthy. And, and I mean, we still talk about the time Matt Castle played, but that was like how long ago? And it's been Brady healthy the whole rest of the time. So it seems like they've never run into that bump. And then Belichick is just really smart when it comes to making personnel decisions, uh, who to spend money on, which positions are important. You know, they're not a team that is thought of to spend a lot of money, but they go get Stephon Gilmore because Belichick saw him play really well a bunch of times for the Bills, and now he's their shutdown corner. So, you know, it's kind of this combination of him being a brilliant personnel and defensive mind, and then, of course, 
one of the top five quarterbacks in history. That Packers shot was so cheap right there. I mean, you just drop that right in, unlike the Packers. Unlike the Packers. I mean, Mike McCarthy's done a great job. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, he's just he flushed a, a good guy's career. That's <laughs> oh, right. the guy who was fat-shaming him yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I should have been. <laughs> idiot. He was can you idiot. imagine? Can you imagine if it was Aaron Rodgers with the same type of situation? I mean, I... I tend to think that they're just like one and one A or one and one B or what you know whatever with with Drew Brees mixed in there for how good they are. But I mean, if Aaron Rodgers has had those defenses, it's probably the same result for him instead of Brady. Yeah, yeah, it's but yet people people don't take into account context enough, and uh, that's what's going to wind up happening. Although Rodgers is going to get a new coach and probably four or five years of rejuvenation oh, he'll, here. He'll rebound. So, yeah, he's not he's not yep. 40 years old. Collar, uh, what can people find on Purple Podcast and our website? Uh, Purple Podcast, we are actually uh, headed to Lucky's 13 tonight in Bloomington. So if anyone wants to stop by, myself and Courtney Cronin will be doing a live recording starting in about 15, 20 minutes here. And uh, also, we did a Purple Podcast breaking down Brian O'Neill, the starting right tackle, breaking down his game and why Daniil Hunter's become one of the best defensive ends in the league. Football! Football, yeah! Football! Football! Football, breaking down right tackle play. Good work, Collar. (laughs) See you guys. Bye. Uh, yeah, you can. That's right. They're doing a Lucky's Thirteen uh, Bloomington live taping of Purple Bears Podcast tickets. here. Bears tickets to give away too. So yep. So go jump on that. Uh, they'll be recording from about five thirty to I don't know six fifteen or six thirty or so. So you're in the area. Stop by and see Matthew Collar and Courtney Cronin. I have when we come back a Teddy Bridgewater future destination packing order. I look for forward you. to it. All right. But first time to talk to me. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN. All right, time for a look at traffic where I tell you about a couple of crashes in the area. 694, we have one in Arden Hills. Uh, that's uh, near U.S. Highway 10 uh, between North Snelling and Hamlin Avenue. So be on the lookout for that. That's causing about a five-minute delay. Also, 35E, we got a crash uh, in St. Paul between uh, Pennsylvania Avenue and Maryland Avenue, uh, another five minutes there as well. I think, you know, he really tries to make, make you win left-handed. Um, you know, he's going to try and take your best players away all the time. He's going to try to exploit your weaknesses uh, the best best he possibly can. He does a great job in, in everything as well, but, um, you know, his teams are extremely disciplined. They don't beat themselves. You know, to be able to maintain and sustain the success that they've had year in and year out and different players and injuries and things like that, That's that. I think that's a, um, a credit to coaching. Football. Uh, Zimmer obviously talking about Bill Belichick. We uh, will get to this little impromptu pecking order here because yeah. I know that Teddy Bridgewater was brought up earlier in the show. And I got a little Teddy Bridgewater future destination pecking order to throw at you guys in a second. But... Uh, it's football hour. It's Mackie and Judd, 651-646-8255. Leroy in St. Paul. Go ahead, man. Hey, what's up, guys? What's Thanks going on? My call. Of course. Not a lot. I'm pretty excited. Um, so the reason being is right now the Vikings are set up to squeak into the playoffs as a six seed and potentially play nothing but teams that they've been beaten by earlier this year. And I think that's a really – Interesting, um, interesting position 
for this Zimmer team to be to go into. I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on it. But um, them as an underdog against potentially the same team that beat them, uh, a Rams team that beat them, um, including the Bears, and where he could be set up for a uh, back-to-back matchup with the Bears week 17 in the wild card if we are the sixth and the Bears are the, uh, what, third, three seed. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's really cool. We could end up playing the Bears, Rams, um, and, or Saints, and, and then, you know, potentially seeing the Patriots in the Super Bowl uh, playing all teams that beat us. I think um, I think it's exciting. So, so here's my take. I'd love to hear you guys. All right, Leroy and St. Paul, that's a very rose-colored way that of makes, looking at the revenge tour for the Vikings. That makes one of us as far as excitement goes. Uh, all right, if you have to play the Bears again, I would take it. Your game plan is going to be much improved, and I would give you a chance. Mitchell Trubisky's not beating Mike Zimmer in a playoff game. So so I give you a chance there. Now, it's on the road, so that's tougher, but um, let's go to Rams and Saints. I want no part of them. Well, I, I mean, you're you're going to have to. I Let's just say this. If you're going to get to the, the Super Bowl, he's right. You, you have to beat those teams. I don't see it happening because it, it comes back to this. Could you scheme up a one-game plan to beat the Rams or Saints in a playoff game defensively? And um, I don't know that the answer is yes because the problem is if it comes down to uh, could you outscore Breeze or McVay slash Goff, I think the answer is yeah. no. This is where, I mean, this so is where you I'm just— I'm not excited. The equation, the equation makes less sense for the Vikings— when you add a wild card round game, so having to win three games instead of two to get to the Super Bowl, just a lot harder in the NFL and any sport. Uh, and then when you when you when you look up and size up these matchups just individually one on one and say, okay, could they out scheme the Rams? Yeah, I I actually don't feel terrible about a Vikings matchup against the Rams. They were toe to toe with them earlier in the season, and now Saints. I think you need a couple bounces. I think you need. A Drew Brees interception or something, but could I see one Sunday afternoon in January, Mike Zimmer putting together a nice little scheme? Drew Brees throws an interception. Yeah, right Kirk Cousins, like yeah, yep. So it, yeah, individually in each silo, could I see it happening? Yes. Could I see it happening three times no. or let's say tw- twice? That's where it gets a lot harder. It's sort of like in the NCAA tournament when. You've got a number one seed. You always wonder, like, why don't the number one seeds get to the Final Four more often? Because it's just really hard to win five games, even if you're playing teams that aren't as good as you. And keep in mind, too, under the scenario that we're talking about, we're talking about going on the road the whole time. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's say you beat the Bears. That's a nice win. That ain't going to be easy. And, And now you got what? Now you got the Rams or the Saints. And I will say this with complete confidence. You ain't beating the Saints there. You're just that's, not. You're just not on that track. Not on that track and not with those fans. I would take, I'd be okay with taking my chances going into the Coliseum and playing the Rams and Mike Zimmer putting together a perfect game plan to sort of suppress that Rams offense enough to where you can score enough points and win. I Going to the Superdome yeah. with that crowd, we've mm-hmm. already seen that. And that track. This is we've, it. We've already seen that. And yeah. this is a better Saints team than, than that team that won the Super Bowl in 2009. It is. Yeah, it definitely is. Drew Brees is better. Yeah. Uh, they've got more weapons offensively. That defense was more of an opportunistic, I don't want to say lucky, but when your whole defensive game plan is just, well, we got to get three turnovers. Yep. Well, okay. Good All luck right. predicting fumble recoveries from year to year, but that was a very opportunistic defense. This is a, a better yardage defense, I think, compared mm-hmm. to the rest of the league. 
So, I don't know. Like, would it be fun to watch a revenge tour throughout the playoffs? Of course it would be fun. It's just... The enthusiasm, though, was really <laughs> off know. the charts. They well, really they really almost need to run the table, beat the Patriots, run the table, and win the division. They might be able to lose one more game and win the division if that one loss is yeah. against the Bears. Well, and let's be honest here. If the Vikings and Saints play in the playoffs again, who's really looking for revenge? If yeah. you really think about it. That's true. You know, yeah. like the, but, yeah, the Vikings aren't. It's not as much regular season revenge. But if you retirement. got them back, right. he, if you got them back here, I'd say okay, sure. but not there. Yeah, uh, that's a good segue here. Speaking of the Saints, whose backup quarterback is Theodore Bridgewater, we were talking about the Jaguars and how they. I, th- I can't remember what the exact sparking moment was, but the Jaguars oh, Blake got rid of sucks. Blake Bortles. That's the spark. Teddy moment. Bridgewater probably made sense for them before the season. I have a Teddy Bridgewater new destination pecking order for you guys. Six teams. I'm not saying that there's only six teams that should go after him. I would make an argument that if Miami can swallow some of the guaranteed money on Ryan Tannehill's contract, that Miami should be in the mix. But, But here are the six teams in order. I'll start at six that I think makes sense for Teddy Bridgewater to start for in 2019. Number six, the Cincinnati Bengals. They're probably going to have a new head coach. The Red Rifle gone? The Red Rifle only makes $16 million, and I think a lot of that dead cap money is off the books. I'm pretty sure they can start cutting Andy Dalton any year now after this season's over. Okay. And he's just been decidedly mediocre the entire time. He's just Andy Dalton. I mean, you put any quarterback with A.J. Green. Yeah, he is hurt. Yep. So, I don't know. uh, They're not top three on my list, but Cincinnati could use a change in a couple different spots. They're probably going to have a new coach, and so... They're number six. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, That's the rumor. Teddy, Teddy, no. Teddy, don't do it. <laughs> number five, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Here's the wrench and why they're not higher on this list. Jameis Winston, they did exercise his fifth-year option for $20 million in 2019. So they owe Jameis Winston $20 million yeah, okay. in 2019. Can you stop there for a second? Why did they do that? And they had to do it. They had to do it like no, a year ago. I know, but he's just, it's so clear. He's the number one overall pick. Oh, I know, but so he's they a bust. Just, Maybe just they're a gonna, bust. Maybe they're going to fire Dirk Cutter and they're going to try oh. and bring in another coach to see if that other coach can get to him. I don't know. Dirk is Otherwise, gone for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick is just, you know, they're not going to, they're looking for a long term thing there. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is fun in doses, but then he throws four picks every fourth game. So, Tampa Bay, number five on the Teddy Bridgewater new destination pecking order. Number four, the New England Patriots. Oh. Think about it. Think about it. Okay. Oh, boy. All right. Tension between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick for a couple of years now. Tom Brady's 41. Jonathan's excited. Rubbing his, his hands His performance together. is declining. Yep. This is like reckless speculation territory, too. Yeah. It leaks into that. Yes. <laughs> they don't have on the roster right now yeah, a successor know. to Tom Brady because they traded away. You, you know what? This is, not a ba- this is not a bad plan. And so if Bill Belichick wants to stick around past Tom Brady... He's going to be looking for a very... He's not just going to look to draft a random guy or get a journeyman backup. He's going to want someone who's a great leader, yeah. great behind-the-scenes guy, Teddy's a accurate in the intermediate throws. And Teddy Teddy actually has a lot of... In terms of the way that he operates, Brady's not bomb-it-down-the-field guy. Teddy Bridgewater's not bomb-it-down-the-field guy. It's like surgical, up-the-middle, Julian Edelman between the hash marks. I like this. It makes a ton of sense. He could be a Patriot. Number mm. three... The New Orleans Saints, assuming that Drew Brees, a Super Bowl run, maybe puts Drew Brees into retirement. Great baton to pass off. Ready-made offense, weapons. 
Teddy's been there learning the system. It's a really easy baton to hand off, but I think it just depends on if Drew Brees wants to keep playing or not. And if he does, then Bridgewater's going to go sign somewhere else, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, number two, the New York Giants. Yeah. For a couple reasons. Yep. They didn't draft the successor to Eli Manning, and Eli just looks bewildered more than ever now. Just It's going to be done with Eli. It's a wrap. And Pat Shermer spent enough time around Teddy Bridgewater last year, right, with Bridgewater in the building. I thought they'd be atop your list, actually. So, and, and number one is, is Jacksonville. Just, like... It's the most quarterback desperate team that still has enough around it. They've just got a so defense. Stupid though. Okay, but they can get Bridgewater in and be I less think, stupid. I think the Giants and Patriots won two. The Patriots plan is a great plan. I love that plan. It would be so. It fun. seriously works. I would love to see that happen. And Teddy's about the same age as Jimmy G, too, right? Aren't they about twenty? Probably both yeah. about twenty-six years old right now. Probably so, right. Yeah. Like Teddy came in the league when he was twenty-one. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Jacksonville should do it, but they're so dumb they won't. Oh, they're not going. But, the but they're Giants, not going back to Bortles, so they're, 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 they're going gonna, to get another quarterback. They just assured Doug Marone his job was safe, supposedly. If they keep Doug Marone, they should be they should be banished from the league. Well, here's here's another reason why I'd the Patriots him. why the Patriots actually make. <laughs> I'd contract them. Oh my god! Move I would just to contract, move them to London. I'd move them there, but I wouldn't play them. I'd move everyone to London and say just stay there and shut up. So here's another reason why, why, hold on one second. Jaguars and Giants, Jaguars and Giants are both going to draft high. Yeah. So they're, they're both going to draft in the top 10, if not the top five. So they're, they're more likely to target quarterbacks in the draft, which would then, if you're Bridgewater and you kind of know that now Bridgewater is going to sign before the draft. But if you know that those teams are going to be drafting quarterbacks, you'd probably look at other options. So if Breeze or Brady go away. Saints and Patriots make a lot more sense, and those are two teams that would draft very late in the first round. How, how good is this QB class? Do we know? I don't know a whole I've not heard much about it. it. That's why I asked. I mean, Kyler Murray's going to go play baseball. Yeah. For the A's. Yeah. The A's drafted him, I think, last year. So Teddy's in good shape here. Yeah. I like your Patriots plan a lot. It would be fun. You know it what? Would be fun. What's, the pull? What's the poll that we're going to do here, Jonathan? If the Jaguars start Mitch Trubisky, or not Mitch Trubisky, I was looking at him on Blake the screen. Bortles? Blake Bortles, should they be contracted? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I think a, I think a Teddy poll might have to be in the works here before the show's over, too. Uh, we're going to wrap with Roycey before uh, the 5 o'clock hour is over. It's the Football Hour, TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Please. Continue on 1500 ESPN. I've seen once every four years, really, so it's hard for me to say what's different. They are the best play action team in the NFL, in my opinion, though, and they do a great job of getting linebackers and safeties to suck up on the play action on the runs and then finding the, the open spots behind it which makes it really difficult. The runs look exactly like the play actions, uh, which is what a good play action team does. Played them once in Cincinnati, and we beat them. I think the score was like 14 to 7 or something like that, and he had the ball in two-minute drill, and it just started pouring down rain, and I'm, yes. <laughs> I was actually saying a few more things, but um, I was happy that it rained, and we ended up winning. I like how he speaks in hushed tones at his press conferences. <laughs> I, I like that. I was saying a few more things. I wonder what you were saying, Mike. Like, bleep yes. Okay, there you go. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, what is uh, 
What does your gut tell you around the room? What's gonna What's gonna happen this weekend? Because I really, I thought they were gonna beat the the Packers. I thought they were gonna beat the Bears too. Like I had pretty strong feelings. I was wrong on one of those. I am so on the fence with this one this weekend. I just, I I don't I don't know if this team has it in them to beat that team. I think it did last yeah. year, and I don't know if it was that's a, a Case tough, Keenum factor. That's but, a tough place to play too, man. But this team has shown you nothing this year to say, yep. This is a team capable of going into that environment with the track record they have in November and December, the Patriots yep. at Gillette Stadium. I don't know. like It's such a prove-it game for the Vikings. It's important to me that they win one of the next two, and I give them a better chance to win the Monday night game at Seattle. Russell Wilson's incredibly difficult to play against. But I think you could win that game. This game... That's probably the one you need more, too, And it's so tough to win this game. You're Mm -hmm. playing in Foxborough. Belichick. They're so well coached. They don't lose there. I think if you're going to... I think you got a much better chance of beating the Seahawks and slowing Wilson than beating the Patriots. That's my gut. I think if you, I think beating Seattle, too. I, I mentioned this the other day. I think beating Seattle is probably more important anyway because you're trying to fend them off anyway for like wild card spot you know you just you're you have the inside track for the wild card spot right now but that if you beat Seattle that you're just putting off you're just basically getting rid of another team that is essentially traced uh chasing you this Sunday I, I mean <laughs> I think their only shot is that front four Griffin Hunter Joseph Richardson like they got to get after Tom Brady they, got, is, they have to. The get problem is to he's him. so quick, though. I know he, he gets, gets rid of the, the ball so quickly, yeah, but they yeah. they got to get to him. If they don't get to him, then he's he's going to pick him apart. Here's another question for you guys: As we talk about the Saints and and the Rams and how innovative they are and just how loaded their rosters are, if the Vikings just it's just not their year that maybe they're a wild card team, but they're just not on the level of the top teams in the NFL. Are they really one or two offensive linemen away from being back on that level? Or is it does does it run a little deeper? Does it run a little deeper with schematics offensively or the starting quarterback that they have who puts up a lot of good fantasy numbers, but you know, he hasn't always been there in big moments. Like the Buffalo Bills game is sort of inexplicable if you're Kirk Cousins in that spot. That's that's the important question. It runs it runs a little deeper as far as the QB goes and, and what what he's capable of doing. But to backtrack then Case Keenum had a fantastic pop-up year, but I don't think that if if you had re-signed Case and said, do it again, Case, he does it again. So I think the Vikings made the right decision in putting their eggs in the Cousins basket. I don't debate that. But I do, I think we are what we're seeing in 2018 is what everybody from Washington told us to expect. And so now the question becomes, did Cousins, if you improve Cousins' line, does did he... Lo- learn enough and can he take a step then in 2019 to become to become a quarterback that can take a team uh to a division title and a Super Bowl I don't know that that the answer is yes I wouldn't say for sure no but I think it does run deeper and I think it runs into can the quarterback do this I think two people you have to look at if we're talking you know beyond this season John Filippo and Rick Spielman I think you look at John Filippo and you say okay these last five games of the year you found a formula against the Packers you found a, an, an offensive approach that worked Kirk didn't turn the ball over you you put him out and you ran some bootlegs with them you got him moving around a little bit you used the screen game 
Are you going to keep are you going to keep that going now? That's my question for John DeFilippo. And now also for Rick Spielman, are you going to address this offensive line in the offseason? Are you going to invest a draft pick, a high first round draft pick? Well, not a high yeah. first round, but a high draft pick in an offensive lineman. So the Rick you can't Spiel- neglect that anymore. The Rick Spielman debate is such a nuanced one in that I agree with everything you just said and I think how how you how you aren't just hammering that position on a you know at least in every other year basis is definitely a huge flaw. But like we had that dude, we posted that clip all over social media that Chad guy in Colorado who called into Ventline on Sunday who mm-hmm. read he literally read a three a three minute scripted thing of why Rick Spielman is an incompetent boob and should be fired. <laughs> but Rick Spielman's also the guy that brought in a fifth round pick in Stefan Diggs. Mm-hmm. He identified. Case Keenum as a viable backup to to flank Sam Bradford. He found Pat Elfline as, let's face it, that guy's going to be the starting center for a decade. He's going to be the next Matt Burke, uh, where you just you just rely on him. I mean, he's found a lot of really good pieces. The, yeah. the defensive draft picks have almost all been aces for the most part, except for maybe Mackenzie Alexander. Uh, so I think it's I, sometimes I think the conversation with Spielman is so black and white. Well, he offensive line sucks, therefore Spielman sucks. I think he's been, I mean, if you're going to rank general managers in the NFL, which is a really hard exercise without knowing all the ins and outs, he's definitely top half of the league minimum. I think overall he's been pretty good. He makes some questionable calls, but he's not incompetent at at all. Now, here's, but here's the problem in this league, unless you are the Patriots. And this is what's so frustrating about 2009 and 2017 as well. Most teams like like the Vikings in those years, you get your chance. Mm-hmm. You do. That defense last year was phenomenal. And when you go down, when you go into Philadelphia and just completely melt down, this isn't like baseball where where you say to yourself, okay, but we're building, building, building. The move to go get Cousins, I thought, was a solid one. But nonetheless, in this league, unless you're Belichick and the Patriots, when you get your chance, you've got to capitalize. Well, I will really say, do. if they had gone down the kit, well, we'll never know this, but... Case Keenum has been mostly mediocre for Denver. Yes. He's kind of reverted back. He's had a couple nice games, but they're below 500 and he's thrown a bunch of interceptions. I honestly think so. They're 6 4 and 1 right now. Kirk Cousins has a lot of things that we need to see still. But if they had stuck with Case Keenum, I can pretty confidently say they'd be a 4 6 and 1 team and they'd be out of the playoff mix. I don't, I don't think the Case Keenum year two experiment would have gone well at all, especially with a new coordinator and. Just the lack of chemistry there. So I think they actually thwarted disaster by bringing in Kirk Cousins and having him just be a little bit more of a, an upside quarterback. Uh, so now it's up to them to take 6-4-1 and one and turn it into 10 or 11 wins and give yourself an actual chance. Run the table, boys. Yeah. Run the table. Yeah, if they run the table to get to 11-4-1, and one, they would still, man, they would still need New Orleans to lose four games because New Orleans has a tiebreaker on them. <laughs> And they would need the Rams to lose four games. Daniel Carlson, so. man. Daniel Carlson. Whew. Make that field goal. Yeah. Yeah. We wrap with Royce when we come back. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. You think you like football? Trent Dilfer doesn't just really like football. He loves football. Watch this play. Colin Kaepernick. Watch the tempo of the ball. This guy's been known for fastballs. Now with his refined mechanics, that ball has arc to it. It's still firm. It doesn't make the receiver wait for it, but it's able to get up and down. Football! Football, yeah! Football! 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 
Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN. 850. Mackie and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. Yeah. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios before we wrap with Royce. Uh, Highway 100, we've got a crash uh, near Minnetonka Boulevard and Highway 7 in St. No! Louis Park. Yeah, Judd, that's, uh, that's your neck of the woods. You no, it's going to get right there. in my way. About I'm going to pick minute. up food after the show. So it's all about Judd. Well, I don't need this. Well, if you're going to pick up food, prepare for an extra six minutes on your commute. Six so minutes? Yes. Uh, also, 169, we've got a crash near New Hope. That's between 63rd Avenue North and 94. Uh, prepare for an extra four minutes there, boys. What kind of food we picking up, Judd? Uh, Chinese. Ooh. Nope. Pat, Pat used to... Place right by my house. Delicious. Pat, you used to crush some Chinese back in the day. You've told some oh, stories. Man, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, there's no doubt about it. I'm still a... Uh, I'm st- we're still a uh, Quaviette folks. The Vietnam's place over there in Johnson. Northeast. Yeah. Oof, that place is uh, fantastic. What are your favorite dishes at this place? Uh, well, they got the greatest egg rolls in America, and they got hot and spicy chicken, and they got the beef and potatoes, and all kinds of good stuff. So. Yes. I remember when you used to take um, myself and Corey Roofs back in the day for pre-show meetings at the Chinese oh, down buffet the, down, down the street. The street. Yes, that was Plow about three good. plates of General Tao's chicken and go do some Saturday radio. Saturday show didn't get yeah, that. Yeah. Get a little get a little sleepy right about when we were kicking her in there, but that was okay. They got that, that Chinese food. Got that stuff that makes you automatically fall asleep, but that was okay. Helped the show. No one noticed. Help. All those yeah. shows I sub for Such, and you never took me there. On a Saturday, all that time well, I no, spent subbing not, for suits. That was a, that was the middle of the week thing. That was, you know, that was a staff meeting. We used to have a staff meeting. No, yeah, no, you, you never pile Chinese food on a Saturday, Judd. It's always on a Tuesday. Oh, okay. Of the sorry day. about that. Sorry, my my bad. That Ruffsy could eat some Chinese food, man. He was he could he could go at it pretty good too. Yes. Yeah, we had a we had a, a, a crew of eaters on that show. Have you seen the uh, the latest potential? curling team for our uh, United States looking forward. Have you seen uh, well, Jared Allen? And Mark Bulger. Jared oh, Allen really? and Mark Bulger. Yeah, no, no. Well, they ain't going to beat out Schuster, that's for sure. Well, I, I think mean, they're playing Team Schuster in some sort of an Eveleth. exhibition or something. Yeah. yeah this yeah. weekend, Patrick. Well, what, what do these guys think? They can just pick up out of nowhere, a grueling sport like curling and become good at it, for goodness sakes. Here's the thing. Do they drink enough to be good curlers? That's the problem. Jared doesn't. Jared supposedly Jared, doesn't wow. touch the stuff now, so he's not going to be a good curler. The tradition of the sport does not allow sobriety completely, okay? I think in the Olympics they probably stay sober, but uh, beyond that, you know, it's bowling on ice, basically, as far as uh, as the preparation for it. Those curlers can drink, man. Do you know that uh, I got? I still haven't been out there. I got to go out and see this thing out in Chaska where they have like they built this uh, you know recreation center, like yeah. all the towns do. They got six curling lanes out there, curling rinks out there. Bars to go along with it. 
And they pack them in, yeah, they pack them in. People love it. And I suppose the Olympics gave it a boost, but they were doing well even before the Olympics. Yeah. I like to give Schuster a hard time, though, because as, as the old joke being, there's more than one Schuster. there got to be three or four of them because he's everywhere, isn't he? He's yeah, making a comeback now again. He, he was quiet there for about no. a month. He must have rested Weren't up. They, they were on part of Sunday Night Football. The Vikings game. Yeah, they were honored right. again, yes. Game, yeah. yeah, right. They were in constant... They had constant appearances, but he was kind of quiet there for a while. But it is a it is a phenomenal how that caught on last year in the Olympics. Yeah, you know it was a good yeah. You know it was Go a ahead. good curler. My first boss in Duluth, the Duluth News Tribune, Brucey Bennett, and he had no arms, but he he would shove it down there with a with a stick, and he was a good curler because he could drink, too. So that was a good, uh, that was a good asset. For it sounds him. like a sport what, what, I'd be good what, at, what would, he, what would he use? Would he use his mouth? No, no, no. He'd kind of get it stuck between his elbow. He had his uh, the, he had arms down to his elbows. And he, uh, there was nothing worse than playing golf with Brucey and have him hit 150 down the middle and beat you about two strokes a <laughs> hole. <laughs> You're playing a guy with no arms. He's kicking your rear That's, that's when you know great. it's probably time for you to stop golfing. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was the time. Yeah, this, ain't, this isn't going to be my hobby, that's for sure. So, uh, what are we going to do about our wolves here? Are we going to take it seriously, or what are we going to do? They were... Uh, well, man, your, your, guy Tibbs, I, he, your guy Tibbs sat down for the last five minutes of the game, yes, Pat. Yes, he did. I have. Uh, we've been watching the Spurs here for, what, 25 years? Be good. I have never seen them no-show like they did last night of you. No. Guys, no. It, it was... It was un- Here's what I was having this thought, you know. Pops twenty sixty nine now. He's he's going to be the Olympic coach, but uh, do you think the Kawhi whole thing, Kawhi not refusing? Basically, you know, this was always the stable franchise. This was always the outfit that uh, you know everybody was. You know, they played team basketball, and there was not none of this chaos. And all of a sudden, they got a guy who refuses to play when he's basically healthy and misses 73 games and basically all of a sudden Pop's got the same problems as everybody else does in this league. Uh, Yeah, even so you're saying even Greg Popovich can't prevent the the player movement empowerment. I'm wondering if it also kind of hurt the mystique a little bit. You know, all of a sudden these guys aren't, I don't know if intimidate is the word, but they're not as... uh, they're not as, uh, you know, fired up to, to play for him. I don't know. That was amazing last night. But they don't have a center either. That's, that's oh, one of their yeah. problems. They don't. I mean, Aldridge is a power forward. He, he don't want to play center. And, uh, they, 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 I, I've never – that's as uncompetitive on the backboards as I've ever seen a team. They they didn't yeah. try. They didn't they didn't try to get a rebound. They were all But you know what the best part was, Patrick? Pop said what? Pop said, I'm going home, I'm not using any more timeouts, and he got hour that sucker and, done. The hour and fifty five minutes was like watching a loon soccer game. It was yeah. <laughs> Middle of the yeah, third quarter, call. Pop said that was enough. Middle of the third <laughs> quarter. He was like, Yeah, we're done yeah. here. That's it. Never he never he called one timeout. What one time out in the first quarter or second quarter when things were getting out of hand, and beyond that, the only timeouts 
were the ones that you had to take because of the NBA TV rules, basically. I think he called one timeout because of the score that was in. <laughs> so it was, uh, but boy, this, uh, this Covington's a good player. Uh, yeah. it's, I mean, certainly he's not as good a, uh, offensive players, Butler and blah, blah, blah. He doesn't have the physical skills, but it's astounding how he's gotten them to play defense and, Butler never did. It, you know, Butler played defense, but nobody else did. Covington gets it. Everybody's playing defense. It's well, he um, was, um, was playing. Almost everyone's playing defense. I don't know if you caught Tibbs' comments after the game when Johnny K threw him a softball. Hey, Okogie came in, was great energy, oh, 12 yeah. points, and he said, uh, he, nah, he, he basically he I said, Okogie alone gave up 31 points in the fourth. He's trash. <laughs> Well, I had to. Uh, he said, "I got to look at the. I got to look at the tape. I got to <laughs> yeah. look at the tape and see." So we gave up thirty-one points in the. Uh, well, it's. Uh, it, 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 I, I wrote that today that uh, they can beat. Uh, they can beat the Spurs by forty, and people are still mad. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, there's no reason that at this point they, they look incredible. They love playing together. The trade was a great trade. Uh, now you could argue that Tom Thibodeau. You know, led to the he he led the organization to a point where they had to make a trade in the first place. But I mean, it's only fair to back off at this point and let him do what he's doing. So, no, he's a different player than I thought he was. I thought Sarek was uh, just kind of a that that stretch forward who just got three pointers. But he he plays inside a little bit too. Yeah. you know they they played him as a, for a while there. He played as the uh, he was inside more than uh, Gorgie was. How, how did Gorgie get out of the doghouse, too? I mean, last year, Gorgie was pouting and not playing, and he hated Tibbs, and he hated Butler. Now he's, he's getting, what, 18, 20 minutes. Well, I think you so. got to try and play him now, too, Pat, because if you're going to try and move the contract, I mean, you want him to yeah. play. If you if you stick him at the end of your bench, and then, I mean, you're, there's just no chance of being able to move him with that contract. Mm-hmm. But it was... Uh, it was instructive that the uh, small as the crowd was, I guess we're down to a number of people who actually pay attention to the team because uh, as soon as the Kogi got up, they were cheering, you know. So these loudest cheers of the night. Yep, loudest people pop. are aware of what they're watching, which is unusual in local sports. Yep, so, Pat, we'll yeah. see you tomorrow. All see right, ya. all right, we uh, wrap with Ricey every day. What a shot at local sports fans. <laughs> uh, you can find all of our stuff on demand at 1500ESPN.com or anywhere you would find or subscribe to podcasts. Mackie and Judd.